When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Travis, how was your New Year's? Uh, it, was, it was pretty good. I mean, you were there, so I, th- <laughs> I think you're aware of exactly how it went. Yeah, that's right. Um, do you have any resolutions? Um, I don't I don't know that I have any specific resolutions. I guess um, maybe just play a lot more board games and stay up really, really super late. Uh, and so far... I'm I'm killing it. <laughs> by by my count, you're you're on track. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how long I can sustain it, but for now, it's, it's going pretty good. Yeah, well, as long as we can keep our wives playing betrayal at House on the Hill. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're straight. So we just have to sprinkle in some other like random like Mexican trained dominoes, and and that <laughs> just keeps yeah. them at the table. Parcheesi. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Apathetic Enthusiasm for 2016. Woo! I, I am Travis. Woo! And I'm Brandon. Uh, yeah, we're, we're back. It's a new year. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Uh, we are... We're up. We're awake. We're... We're, we're here. We're ready. We're ready to go. Ready to party. <laughs> um, we may have partied too much this weekend. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I, t- I take that back. I didn't, I didn't wake up once this weekend with any anything resembling a hangover how about you yep uh not nope no and in fact i i i I used to make a bold claim that i had (laughs) never gotten a hangover from drinking but kids as you get older uh and your body changes um your 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 metabolism yeah and you yeah so anyway it was a good weekend (laughs) um but yeah so with the new year uh come some so new changes. Changes. Th- uh, turning over a new leaf, if you will. Would you say new changes? Or just changes? You, I think you just say changes. Yeah. Changes. You, well, you, I guess you would have old changes if you were archiving them. Yeah. Yeah. You right. could have like a change log. Yeah. That would that's show. Right. That's right. Like how old changes were. Right. So this would be like a new change. Sure. So you put in like a change request. <laughs> <laughs> we get really technical about our changes here at Apathetic Enthusiasm. Um, but yeah. So we have for a long time wanted to do interviews on this podcast. And while this will not become an exclusive interview podcast where we're talking to people every week, but we do want to have more people in the studio or via Skype uh, actually be able to have some interview conversations. And um, maybe maybe it's not always interviews where we uh, are, are asking the people questions, but just having people, you know, new voices yeah. on, on apathetic enthusiasm. So, yeah, other than our charming, delightful right. voices. We know that's what you come for. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe a little, little something else every every month or yeah. so. Yeah. Um, and so this was our first stab at that, really. Uh, and our damn, first guest, right. yeah. our first guest is someone you know pretty well. 
Yeah. I'd say. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, fairly, fairly well. Yeah. So full disclosure. Uh, um, so my wife, Chelsea, her father is Mitch. And uh, so Mitch, Mitch shower, Mitch shower, Mitch shower, uh, the creator <laughs> of angry beavers. And uh, so um, he was out in town visiting us, not me and Travis, but uh, tra- <laughs> your family, uh, uh, me, uh, Chelsea and our son. Um, and uh, so we asked him like, Hey dad, you <laughs> want to, you know, interview. And so you go uh, sit in the garage for an hour. And uh, he was, he was enthusiastic about it. So, um, uh, it, it took, uh, uh, after a little bit of visiting time, you know, getting his feet here in Hawaii, we, we sat down. We got down to the Saturday. real, real purpose of his visit and just uh, to talk to us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, so yeah, so then we got him to, to interview with us. Um, yeah, we talked to him about, uh, a little bit about how he got started in animation. We discussed Angry Beavers, the show and some, got some insider info about, uh, what it was like to produce that show and, mm-hmm. and work with Nickelodeon. Um, we also talk a little bit about movies and comics. He currently works for Marvel. Um, and then finally, just really, uh, you had some questions about creativity. Yeah. Um, I I'm, did, not, I'm not going to say they were targeted towards <laughs> me, uh, but but we'll get into that a little bit later. I won't say that they were. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think we had a really great conversation with him, and uh, I'm excited to share it with our, our listeners. So, are, you, are you ready? Yeah. Without, right. without further ado. Yeah. Here's our interview with Mitch Shower. Well, Mitch, thank you for coming and being our first in-garage interview. <laughs> My <laughs> pleasure. We, we usually like to refer to it as a studio, but that's just to make ourselves feel better about it the It feels thing. like a studio. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really the, the boxes. They give us the, uh, the audio quality that we shoot for. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> the boogie board. That's just for aesthetics. Well, I'm going to bounce everything I say off that U-Haul right there. <laughs> um, well, this is really exciting for me because I think probably the first seven years of my life, I was dead set on being an animator. I think like, that was my dream job. I wrote it on my little first grade, what you want to be when you grow up thing. So um, for you, was that something you always wanted to do? Was, was animation something that was always something you aspired to do or, or how did you get your start exactly on? Well, I always liked cartoons. Okay. So, uh, every Saturday morning I'd get up and watch all the classic cartoons. Um, what really got me started in animation was my uncle, Steve, who was eight years older than I was, showed me how to do flip books when okay. I was seven or eight. Hmm. And that got me hooked. So from then on, I wanted to either be an animator or a comic book artist. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think watching cartoons is probably the thing that got me into it. I was always really into like Disney features and stuff like that. Yeah. And so then I just really poured into Disney, and then I got wrapped up in theme parks and other things, and then I don't know somehow ended up here. <laughs> well, that was a big deal when I was a kid. It's Sunday night. They had Wonderful World of Disney, mm-hmm. and I always waited for the ones that were animated. Right. I wasn't yeah. interested in the wildlife. Cougar, Charlie the Lonesome Cougar stuff. Yeah. I want to see some animation. So, so, so what was like your first start, like, um, like kind of breaking into the industry? Was it like you went to school or, and then immediately started working in like animation or, or how did you exactly start? Well, the first time I tried to get an animation was fourth grade. I wrote a letter to Walt Disney <laughs> in fourth grade and he died oh, like three days later. So go. I don't know if the letter, letter killed him. I don't know. <laughs> 
It may have been Cor- the pictures well, I had gonna, in the letter. We're not going to jump to any assumptions. Yeah. Here. Cor- correlation, causation. Yeah. But. Um, but then I, I, um, I got out of high school and went to work for a graphic arts studio in uh, Tulsa. And while I was working there, I put together a portfolio and sent that to Disney. Okay. And they wrote back and said, we like your work, but we we prefer that you get a little more education. So they sent me to Cal Arts. Okay. When yeah. they were still a sponsor of that. And I went there for about a year, but animation was kind of in bad shape. The only the only thing going at that time was the Black Cauldron. Oh, wow. Animation okay. was in, yeah. wasn't doing very well. Hmm. So I thought, well, I better do something else just in case animation doesn't happen. So... I switched over to Art Center College of Design in Pasadena and got my degree in advertising and illustration. All right. Excellent. But while I was there, somebody said, hey, they're looking for people of filmation. Would you be interested? So, I, okay. So I took my portfolio. Uh, my fiance, now wife, Cindy, <clears throat> drove me over to the studio and I had my interview with uh, the guy at filmation. And he goes, hey, you, we want to try you out in layout. Do you have field guides? Do you have... Uh, all this equipment, can you do bike pans? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> and we took a little break, and I went down to Cindy, and I said, go down to this room down here where the ladies are painting and ask them what a, f- a bike pan is <laughs> and ask them what field guides are. Uh, so then that's how I actually got started in the business. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So then were there any, like, uh, experiences early on that sort of set for you, like, oh, this is definitely what I want to keep working in is this like, were there any experiences or, or maybe like a project you worked on where you're like, okay, yeah, this is definitely like, like, I don't want to go back to advertising or anything like this is definitely what I want to be doing. Yeah. I think, uh, at one time when I was a kid, we bought a book, uh, Walter Foster used to put out these art books. I think he still does. And one of them was on animation, mm-hmm. uh, by Preston Blair, mm-hmm. which actually became kind of the Bible for all animators in the business. If you went into a cubicle or an office, everybody had this book. But at that time, when I was that young, I got this book and it had all these cartoon characters in it and how to draw them and how to animate them. And I like started copying the things out of this book. And my mother got an eight, Super 8 camera and we filmed them. And <laughs> they look kind of like a Fellini movie. <laughs> but I, I, by that time, I was pretty hooked on animation. Awesome. Yeah. I think I, think I did a lot of like... Like I would just find random objects in my house and do like stop motion with them mm-hmm. like growing up and... At, no one would ever watch them except for me, but it was still fun. It was fun. The process was fun. Of course it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as like the industry overall, like have you seen big, I mean, animation, the, the concepts behind animation have sort of been around for a long time, but some of the, the techniques and things have changed. Uh, do you, do you see that? Like, I mean, you've, you've sort of experienced that firsthand. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, how, how, how do you feel about the way that, the industry has changed a little bit more like emphasis on computers and things like that or is it still kind of the process the same for for coming up with with uh, shows and things like that well the traditional style the hand-drawn stuff uh <clears throat> working in marble we still do that um the cg kind of uh animation i think it seems like right now they do a lot for preschool yeah mm-hmm. because it's simple right uh and it can get be expensive uh, but people aren't quite ready to give up on 2D right, and yeah. go all the way over. But I started out in 2D, and I um, I think there's a place for all of it. There's, uh, And I think John Lasseter said that, too. He goes, it, it doesn't matter what the technique is or the technology is. Um, it's telling the story. Exactly. And yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. 
There's room definitely. for both. Sure, definitely. <laughs> well, and there's a, I think there's a lot of really great, um, even like shorts and, and independent work that people are using 2D animation and things like that. And it's really, like you said, story-driven. Like, So if you have a good story and you're, and you're trying to share that story with people, it doesn't necessarily matter if you make it with computers or, right. or you know, you're hand-drawing things. It's just the way you want to present it and the, creatively how you want to send it. So I really like that. I don't know if you're a fan of Miyazaki, because I am. He's known as Japan's Disney. Right. And he did My Neighbor Tortoro. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Dixie's uh, Delivery Service and all that. What's what's the one? Spirited Away. I yes. think that was the one that my first uh, experience watching some of his work. Well, stuff. the thing I like about him is that he does his stuff traditionally. It's all 2D, but he uses computer stuff just at the right place to make that 2D seem even more real. It's kind of give it that extra kind of punch, yeah. right? And it's I like that. I... I I love hearing about how he got his start. I, I love the story about uh, saying that he can totally do like layouts or whatever, or like, uh, and then, and then sending Cindy to go find out like what that stuff was. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's just, that's such an awesome story. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, I, the, you know, I think there's, there's something cool about stories like that. And, and I've heard it, you know, just reading biographies uh, um, from, from biography. <laughs> Um, from people in the industry, uh, just, you know, stand up comedians or, um, just actors, actresses, producers, even, mm-hmm. um, that there seems to be, uh, kind of like a, you know, just fake ma- it till you make it, kind fake of it till you right. make it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I, I know, um, the, uh, uh, the guy who did Seinfeld, um, not Seinfeld, uh, yeah, uh, Larry, David. yeah, Larry David, right. Uh, he was saying, uh, when he was doing stand up when he first started, he was like just in the audience. He's like, "Yeah, anybody can do that. <laughs> can do that." So, he, so he just goes up there, right? And right. then, of course, you know, he, he bombs. Sure. Um, but he also he was also saying uh, that uh, you know he he used to tell girls that he was the person who did the whistling for the Andy Griffith show <laughs> because you know how how, you how, how can you, you can't fact check that <laughs> nobody knows who that is. Uh, but, um, so yeah, so we we had a good conversation about uh, how he got his start, but really what I think he's best known for is the angry beavers. So we wanted to ask him some questions about how angry beavers got their start, sort of what the process was for their creation. And then, um, just a little bit more in detail about what it was like to work on that show and things like that. So, uh, (laughs) what was, what was your inspiration for angry beavers? Was this something that you, uh, had like ideas for these characters you had for a long time or, or were you like, did you create them specifically for the show? Well, first of all, I want to get this all taken care of. I did create that show. You heard it here. <laughs> no you matter how many people are taking credit for it. <laughs> uh, we, I was working at a company called Gunther Wall. Uh, and the uh, boss's son, Brad, had a, a relationship with Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And so they came to me one day because I was the art director of the studio and said, Mitch, we have a window where we can pitch three ideas to Nickelodeon. Can you come up with something? I said, okay. So I came up with three things, one of which was Angry Beavers. And it was just two drawings of them on animation cells. <clears throat> and uh, this guy, Brad, took them. I didn't even get invited to the pitch. <laughs> and he took them, and Mary Harrington at Nickelodeon, who was the head of Nickelodeon at the time, sparked to those. And she wanted to talk to me about Angry Beavers. Okay. So I got to meet Jerry Laybourne, who was terrific. Mary's terrific. And it was actually Mary's idea to make the uh, Beavers brothers... Because they were best friends, uh, 
okay. And she said, well, why don't you make them brothers? Because then they have to be stuck together <laughs> with each other. And uh, that worked really well. So we uh, did a pilot in 94. Then uh, that got shelved. So I left Nickelodeon and went over to Warner Brothers to do Freakazoid. Mm-hmm. And then yes. in the middle of Freakazoid, they said, we sold the beavers. Do you want to come back? Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Man, leave Freakazoid to go do work on beavers. That's awesome. You're like, uh, no, I, you know, Freakazoid, yeah, okay. I, I, Emmy, we got the Emmy. So they picked up the pilot, and then, and then you guys went from there to do... What, did you have like a set number of episodes that you guys had to put out? or? Yeah, it was 26 episodes for the first season. Uh, we, d- we wound up doing 62 episodes because uh, the budget for two of the episodes was used for the Halloween special, hmm. which is a half hour. Yeah, And then we used part of the budget for a sister's pilot based on the Angry Beavers called Simply Sisters. So instead of doing 65, we wound up doing 62. All right. Yeah. Um, so... You said you basically you just had the drawings of the two beavers, and that was sort of like the they just saw yeah. that and said okay. So, and then you after that you had to just kind of develop. You said uh, it was their idea to have them brothers, yeah. and then you kind of fleshed out the rest of it. They have sort of like a uh, was it, is it almost is there almost like like an odd couple type yes sort of very much feel to it. Um, and also, I think part of the part of the played in that was at the time. There were shows on like Care Bears and Strawberry Shortcake and uh, all those uh, saccharin type shows. <laughs> right. So um, I wanted to do the opposite. So I, I ran across the beavers, these seeing looking at beavers, and they don't do anything. Yeah. You know, they build <laughs> dams and have other beavers. And <laughs> so i like, what if we made them angry? Yeah. Okay. Just, just the whole opposite thing, play on the opposites. And that's where that all came from. Um. You were talking about voice actors before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I know that you know just just looking down the list of voice actors you had in in the show at various points, like Arlie Ermey. Yes. Uh, you had Peter Graves in the in the Halloween special with Adrian yeah. Barbeau. Uh, do you have like any like do, do you have any interesting experiences with any of those voice actors? Or, well, uh, I, you, it's funny that the dramatic actors who came in to do voices, like Robert Stack, yeah. Ed Asner. Uh, the people you've mentioned, yeah, they were the nicest people and wanted to play comedy. Okay, but you get a comedy and a comedian in the booth, you can't get anything out of them. <laughs> they were very shy. Huh. But Robert Stack was great. He he came in and he was telling me stories about Marlena Dietrich and the, working in the forties and hey, if you ever need another beaver, call me. So <laughs> that sounds pretty cool for uh. Robert Stack. <clears throat> uh, through the process. Of, of doing all this like was it was there any point where you're like oh i, I kind of wish maybe we'd we'd tweak something a little bit differently or gone in a different direction with something or was it just like you know as you went through you're, you're just making decisions and, and but was there anything you look back maybe you would have done a little bit differently with the beavers or anything like that well i think that the uh the actors richard horvitz who did daggett and nick bakai who did yep. uh norbert they developed such a chemistry mm-hmm that uh, I was satisfied with the show from that on that point on because it was about their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we could write any story for them, and they could ad lib their way through it or <laughs> do whatever they wanted. I just it was a wonderful thing to watch and listen to. I wish we had done the Beaver movie, which I I wrote an outline for, because um, they were doing these movies. They did Hey Arnold, mm-hmm. 
so they wanted me to submit a, a premise for a beaver movie and i wish we could have done that oh yeah definitely that would have been awesome uh, so you're talking about uh, them ad-libbing stuff. So yeah. did, when when you did the recordings, were they in studio together for, to to do their audio or? Yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, Nick was in a booth. Okay. Because we uh, we preferred overlaps, uh, so we had to have them on separate mics. And uh, when actors would come in, like Alex Rocco or <clears throat> Ed McMahon or Dick Clark or somebody, <laughs> uh, they'd sit out there, and of course, these guys, Richard and Nick, would start ad-libbing. And I would tell these actors, like, just go with it. <laughs> that if you flub a line, keep going. And uh, for some reason, the actors really enjoyed that because there was it was like freedom, just fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not and, as rigid at that point. And they got into of, it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I always I'm always fascinated by that kind of differences in the process where like some people say, oh, I just go in and record all my lines by myself, and then you know the other situations where they actually have people in together and actually recording that yeah. I feel like you get better chemistry with, with the actors and stuff like that. So there, that's really cool. There's, there's, there's a line that, uh, that Chelsea, uh, always tells me about the, it's the silent wind of doom. Whoosh. Yeah. Silent <laughs> wind <of> doom. <laughs> yeah. And, and something about like that wish part being, being an ad, ad lib. Yeah. He started doing silent wind of doom. Whoosh. And then all of a sudden it became silent wind of douche. <laughs> it's like, we can't say douche. <laughs> This is this is still a kid show. But you know what's fun was uh, with the army. Yeah. He came in and a nice guy and he and I were chatting and we got him in the booth and we want you to be a drill sergeant because uh <clears throat> the Beavers wanted to be Lipa's Honor's stallions. Mm. Stallions. <laughs> and he was their trainer. Yeah. Um I said, Okay, we'll just do it. And he came out with this string of foul mouth <laughs> drill sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> dictates to these guys and we were just all like that's wonderful but we can't use it <laughs> well you tell me what you want you're the boss okay just just, just a few last cuss words yes yeah <laughs> but he was great you can't say skull f on on a children's show no well, we had an not, up, we had an episode also about bowling where uh nick bukai as norbert turned yeah. to dag and said shut up and uh Anyway, Nickelodeon came down. We don't use shut up anymore. We can't say shut up anymore. So my first thing was, we'll just bleep it. <laughs> Which made it worse. Yeah. Oh, sure. Actually, yeah. Because we just bleeped <laughs> shut up. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, no, you don't. You won't believe what they said on Beavers. So anyway, that got replaced with shush up. Uh-huh. And that's what it, that's what right. it became. But uh, we did not say the F-bomb. That's that's probably good. I, I don't recall any f bombs on Nickelodeon. No, uh, no. The, the the closest I saw was in a Ren and Stimpy episode, uh, and Ren was on a plaque. It was like a, a World of Wilderness show, yeah. uh, and the plaque said, "The Dumb Bass." That was the closest I ever saw on. Oh, the the dumbass. Ah, yeah. <laughs> well, Chris Lucy could do that, uh, and I guess I mean there is a lot of that, especially now. I'll watch some some animation and cartoons with my kids and there are jokes that they don't get at all but mm-hmm. are definitely targeted towards a more adult audience was that is that a strategy for you going in do you, do you think about those sort of things or is it just like you're you're making it for a kid's audience and do you kind of just put little nods in there yeah. as you go or well we knew we had kids <clears throat> but we like family shows. Okay. Because when I was growing up, my grandfather would come up on Saturday morning and sit there on the fireplace hearth and watch Bugs Bunny with me and just laugh. And he loved Roadrunner and Coyote cartoons. So to me, watching him laugh at the things I like to watch was really fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. 
So when I got into Beavers, like, we're going to make this a family show. And actually, I guess that's kind of happened. What I've heard, kids like it, but you hear a lot from adults. Sure. They yeah. get it. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I, I know in in some of, the, some of the episodes, you have, like, the old B movies, right? Uh, like all the, cla- the Oxnard Montavo. And, yes. Um, do the the was the crawling spleen yes <laughs> with the opposable thumb yeah <laughs> uh um so did you do you incorporate like a lot of uh well obviously you created the show did you incorporate like a lot of the stuff from a kid from uh like in there or like any other easter eggs i guess oh i bet there are easter eggs in there i wish i could remember them off the top of my head um <laughs> Well, we had all the, you know, we had all the B-movie references. Um, and you know how somebody will say, Great Caesar's Ghost. Yeah. And yeah. we started putting in, uh, by like, by George Zuko's th- Thundering Thighs. And George <laughs> Zuko's a B-actor from the 40s. Uh, so we started dropping name-dropping these people. They were, instead of Caesar's Ghost, it was always some weird actor, yeah. obscure actor. Mm-hmm. And we would do that. That's awesome. Um, so the final episode. Yes. Uh, what? This this never actually was they released. They didn't right? die. Oh, they didn't. They didn't die. According <laughs> so internet rumors, be uh, be warned. Um, but what was what was the what was the genesis of the idea for for that final episode? Uh, and if you could just talk a little bit about how that came to be and, and things like that. Well, I just uh, <clears throat> I wanted to go out with a bang, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea was that they, the Beavers have lived in this world for 62 episodes, and at the end, all this time, Nick and Norbert mm-hmm. knew that they were a cartoon. All this time, and Daggett <laughs> actually thought they were Beavers. <clears throat> so uh, in the last episode, you know, uh, things start disappearing, like background color and and uh, cell colors and all this kind of thing, and it's just being taken away, and, and, Dag- and Norbert's trying to explain to this poor Daggett that... Uh, <laughs> It, it, we're just a cartoon. They're going to put us in syndication, and the studio's <laughs> going to make a lot of money, and the creators don't. And uh, we did a lot of that, and uh, it was going to end with them just being stick figures, you know, just weird little drawings. Yeah. yeah. Like, what do we do now? But it was open. It was open ended, so we could bring them back. Sure. You know? Right. Yeah. So, no, I, we did not kill the beavers. Yeah. In the last time. How how far <laughs> into production for that episode were you guys able to get? Where I mean, did you do... We recorded it. You recorded it? I think it's on YouTube. Oh. I think. Yeah. All right. Link in the show notes if you can find it. (laughs) Because Richard, I think, had released the audio or or something like that. Did he? Yeah, from from what I read. Um, But uh, so you recorded it. Did you get any of the animatics or any any of that stuff down We just got it recorded. And there were two other projects we did that way. One was uh, we did a rock opera. That was nice. going to be a special, and we actually, I had written the scratch tracks for the six, five or six songs that were going to be in there, uh, and they were based on like Jethro Tull and nice. 60s and 70s, Emerson Link Palmer, and they each song had a different sound, so we had the scratch tracks written, and I think we did record the voices <laughs> for okay. this rock opera, because each song was going to have a different look, and yeah, you know Paisley and. and all that. <laughs> uh, that, that reminds me of uh, in the first season where they go to like that Woodstock type yes. thing, and they have they have all the you can hear uh, the the Who like influence song. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. So, um, 
Yeah. And so then, so ultimately, this this episode didn't get put out, right? It was, right. You, it, and it was was it because of that fourth wall element, that sort of like self knowledge about being cartoon characters? Is that is, was that sort of what killed it? Was or? Nick Lillian like, whoa, 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 hey, hey, hey stop, stop yeah, what you're I, doing? I think they got cold feet, <laughs> but it, it had been approved up through script and recording, so we got that far huh. before somebody got cold feet. All right. But then the rock opera also, um, yeah, we got that recorded. And then they start talking about doing that Beaver movie. Oh, yeah. They said, well, we have this rock opera we could do. Yeah. So we submitted that as an idea, and they didn't want to do that. So then it was too late to do that as an episode. And they also recorded a second Halloween special that was a tribute to Hammer Films, the British nice. Hammer Films, mm-hmm. and got that recorded, okay. half-hour special. And we had Terrence Stamp as Dracula and ah. John Rhys-Davies and uh, uh, Sheena Easton, Michael <laughs> York. All these people wow. came in, and they played... Uh, the cast of Dracula, uh, and we got that recorded. Yeah, so that would have been a fun special. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I want to see both. Of them. Yeah, I know, right? Can, uh, I'll give you a piece of paper. Uh, storyboard it yeah. <laughs> right here. Just just flip this over. Okay. Um, so so there's a lot of talk right now about sort of these uh, like Nicktoons TV channels and and sort of. Uh, a lot of like the the '90s cartoons and things like that coming back as as their own blocks of either either blocks of programming or as their own networks. Um, is that something you're excited to see? Like maybe the Angry Beavers being exposed to a new audience, or, or is that? Yeah, that would be great if we did more Beavers. Um, I'd want to get the the original actors for it. Oh, right. If I could, yeah, yeah. I think I could get Richard. I don't know about Nick. He's he's too busy <laughs> writing stuff like. Mall cop. <laughs> <laughs> we we have a big following with mall cops yeah. on this podcast. Uh-huh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the mall cop demographic. Um. <laughs> but actually, Chelsea, yeah. my daughter Chelsea, came up with a great title for a new Beaver series, and it was called Angry Beavers Respooted. And, uh, <laughs> but it was going to be the Daggett and Norb get back together, but Norbert's married and has children, huh. so it was going to be that kind of relationship. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So we'll see. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great if that got picked up. Then hint, hint. Yeah, <laughs> go right your local. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and then producer. and then and then you can do the rock opera, and then you can do, and the, you can fulfill all of Brandon's <laughs> dreams of, of the episodes. He wants Let's to do see. the last episode first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there were a couple cool things that I, I liked about his talking about the Angry Beavers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm always a fan of, of voice actors, right? Sure, um, yeah. So obviously those were my questions about, <laughs> yeah. about voice actors. Um, and, uh, you know, that process has always interested me. My voice has never been interesting enough to where I'm like, oh, I could be a voice actor. But like that but hosting was, podcast, that's that's, <laughs> that's definitely good. Enough. And I apologize to each and every one of you. Uh, but that whole process has always been interesting to me. How like people, you know, they throw their voice out there and then. Uh, you know, Mitch and those other animators that come and they, and then they they put pictures over that voice. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so that that's really interesting to me. Uh, I've I've heard that um, that comment about serious actors and uh, comedic actors before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If if you guys go out there and and, and look up Airplane, right. uh, yeah. the making of Airplane, like all those serious actors, they were picked for those roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it took it took a couple of them, like Lloyd Bridges, a while before they're like. Oh, I'm just playing. I'm playing myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I am playing it's that. A, it's a caricature, caricature of myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once and once they were in it, they're like, "Oh, I'm I in. got it. I got it. I'm yeah. all in there." 
Yeah, I, I I really keyed in on the on the fact that they they recorded um, the two main characters together and that they're able to do a lot of ad lib and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know how much of that is common now. I, I mean, I, I guess when you have shows like uh, uh, like South Park and, and Family Guy and I, there, there's probably a fair amount of ad lib in that as well. Yeah. Rick, Rick and Morty. Yeah, um, Rick, Rick Morty. you've got. Uh, What's his name doing the voice? The two main voices, uh, the creator, yeah, Justin Roiland, Justin Roiland, yeah. So, um, but then he's also in there, like, with it, with a with a beverage, you know, <laughs> keying in like timed burps as well. Yeah. So, um, but you know, the, the process is interesting for yeah. everybody. Uh, uh, I, in, in the, along along those audio lines, right? So we we talked we talked about Bite by Beaver, the mm-hmm. final episode. Sure. Uh, Mitch also talked about uh, a couple other ideas, right? The mm-hmm. rock opera and uh, the Hammer horror film mm-hmm. kind of Halloween episode. Um, but, uh, so it was interesting to me that, so the audio was recorded, um, like the whole, the whole episode was recorded for all intents and purposes. Yeah, sure. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's kind of where they stopped it. So anybody out there that wants to try their hand at animation, just go find the audio (laughs) and then you can make your own. (laughs) That's right. And then, then put it on YouTube. Finish like, uh, your at home version of, of (laughs) angry beavers, how to be an animator. Um, yeah, it was really cool hearing about the final episode. I really liked some of the other ideas like the Halloween episodes and and the movies and things like that. Um, yeah. And I just, I kind of liked how he talked about it being a show that was intended for family. So it wasn't, it wasn't a show that was just geared towards a younger audience, but something that everyone could watch. Yeah. And I think that helps the show now as that younger audience gets older, Mm -hmm. um, they can still go back and, and we've, we've met a few people who, still really love the show uh, as adults. Um, And I think because the show wasn't just targeted towards a younger audience, it it can kind of still be appreciated by an audience as they grow into adulthood. Um, So yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see uh, if the show was included in any of these like Nickelodeon networks or things like that. Yeah. And, if it uh, finds a new audience or a new following, yeah, that that that'd be great because I, I'm I'm serious about like the the rock opera, and <laughs> you and, really want to see that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he, as soon as he said Jethro Tull, I was like, I don't know how you're gonna get uh, sitting on a park bench, buying <laughs> little girls in there, but uh, you know, like all that. <laughs> so, let, let's make it happen. <laughs> but let's let's do it. Let's do like a you just uh, tweak the lyrics a little bit. It's not a big deal. A Daggett's uh, pinball wizard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and then and then of course uh, the the hammer horror film stuff. Yeah, that'd, that'd be cool. So, uh, um, oh, finally, uh, last thing I want to say about that. Um, you know, if Nickelodeon or if they're listening and they're like, "Wow, you know," uh, Anger for Beavers, starters, thanks, thanks an- for tuning in. <laughs> yeah, Anger Beavers rebooted. That sounds like a good idea for a show. Yeah. You know what? You're absolutely right. It does. Yeah. And thank you, Chelsea. And you can contact us at <laughs> apathetic enthusiasm show at gmail.com. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the details. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So great conversation about angry beavers. We, we didn't want to stop there. So we, uh, we asked him a little bit about Marvel and the comic book universe. He's currently working with Marvel on Hulk and the agents of smash. Uh, so here are a few questions we had about that. You, you work with Marvel now. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Marvel is, is sort of everywhere uh, yeah. with... with Sort of. Sort of. I mean, they're, are they in this room? Yeah, they're in this yeah. room. Oh, too. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, tons, tons of new movies. Uh, they've kind of had a resurgence with all their comics and things like that. They're starting new number ones for a lot of their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, how, what are your thoughts about just sort of Marvel and comic book culture right now? It's sort of expanding into the reaches of... of uh, 
you know, the mainstream a little bit. Uh, I mean, is that exciting for you? Is that, is that something that, what, what is, what are your thoughts on that? Well, as long as Marvel as a company is successful, then they continue to do animation. Um, that's good for you. <laughs> yeah. When I started with them, uh, working with Marvel was <clears throat> back in 2008, six, 2006. And the Marvel and Lionsgate were doing those direct to video mm. movies. But Marvel really hadn't done anything. I don't even know if the first Spider-Man that Sam Raimi did had come out yet. Mm, yeah. But they were doing these uh, animated movies, so I was working on those. But by the time I got to Superhero Squad and did that, um, Marvel was taking off. Yeah. And um, to be there at that time when a company takes off like that, mm-hmm. I think they get very trusting and um, loyal to the people that are helping them get there. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. I was told by an executive at Marvel, I didn't, I never knew this, that Superhero Squad is the most successful animated series they've ever done. Oh, wow. I didn't know That's, that. Yeah. I was just making it. Yeah. <laughs> and they already had a toy line anyway. Yeah. Uh, but after that finished up, then all of a sudden, like, why don't you come over here? And I was the first employee at the Marvel studio. Nice. <clears throat> and we just started doing the Hulk. And then we did 52 of those. And so now I'm on those Netflix movies. Okay. This second one. The one, the first one just came out for Christmas on uh, iTunes. Wow! So, uh, as long as Marvel is successful, they'll invest the money into these it's projects. Excellent. I at, at times I worry that like we're gonna hit this like saturation point where you know we're gonna a lot of the movie like blockbuster movies that come out yeah. aside from Star Wars, which we all got yeah. to got to see this last week. <laughs> um, but like there's tons of comic book movies and things like that. I mean. Because of the diversity of these characters and just, I mean, some of them are, are timeless. We've, you know, had superheroes around for, yes. you know, a century. Um, is there is there any, like, threat to oversaturation? Or is it just something that we'll continue to be able to kind of explore new areas with these characters and things like that? And um, there just will always be a following for it, I think. But, well, I think there'll be oversaturation if they all become very similar. Okay, yeah. Because now that Joss Whedon has shown you how you can do a superhero film, mm-hmm. everybody wants to make one like that sure yeah. and I, I felt the same way about Pixar you know as soon as Pixar was a hit yeah. everybody wants to make a Pixar film yeah DreamWorks and yeah. so they all yeah. look the same right yeah. and that's when you get oversaturated and people are like oh hum. <laughs> I, I don't need to see this I've seen this before yeah yeah and you have these like cinematic universes where you're kind of trying to intermingle all these TV projects with film projects and I I, I almost wonder if they're going to handcuff themselves a little bit at times but I mean I, I haven't seen any that I've disliked, so I yeah. mean I'll, I'll keep I'll keep watching. And, and, I, and I think Marvel has done uh, has changed uh, the film industry in in that respect with the whole Avengers and tying everything into a, a cinematic universe, right? Yes. Like because they want to do the same same thing with the Universal uh, monsters, right? right? Frankenstein, Mummy, and and, and such, um, and even like you know DC, they're like, oh, let's. We'll try to catch up on this. Yeah, let's stuff link up well. Batman right. and Superman and all that um, stuff too. Which you know, on one hand, is is cool, but on the other, like, okay, I just want to see a movie that is, you know, uh, can stand on its own. Yes, and Marvel did that with Guardians. Yeah, that was a risk for them because yeah. nobody knew what that was. Yeah, that it wasn't a well known, uh, as well known. Uh, right property I would at say. all yeah so marvel went on a limb and tried this guardians of the galaxy which was a huge huge hit yeah <clears throat> so they know they can do it but they have to be very careful i know that they're talking about other projects like inhumans and mm-hmm. all these things it's like that's fine but what are you going to do with them 
to get an audience to watch something they don't know anything about. Yeah, that's true. And and there's that whole other like political like oh this the studio owns the rights to these characters and this so they kind of yes. have to have to work through yeah. all of those issues as well. I think I think Spider Man moving over to an actual Marvel movie was like a huge <laughs> you know win for, for the company. Um, yeah, so we're excited to see that stuff. It's it's interesting to look back at that conversation and I, I maybe we didn't get as far into it as I would have liked to, but he brings up a really good point about uh, like sort of unknown properties or sort of um, lesser known areas of the Marvel universe. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was a very successful movie. Um, it, it technically does tie into the MCU, yeah. um, but it's one of those things where, you know, even even as they were in development, I had no idea what Guardians of the Galaxy was. Um, and now, as 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 he mentioned, moving forward with like Inhumans and things like that, yeah. um, we we tend to go to the comic book shop a lot these days, <laughs> um, and you see a lot more like Inhumans in, in the Marvel section, and a lot more of those things. And there's almost like this company wide push, like okay, well, we don't have the rights for the film rights for the X Men. What are we going to do about that? Well, let's really push Inhumans. Let's make some new Inhumans books. Let's get people excited about Inhumans. And then down the road, we can make an Inhumans movie. And hopefully there will be an appetite for that from the fans. Yeah, um, well, which, I mean, this isn't, isn't a bad strategy. Um, but well, it's sort of something they have to do uh, as, as they work through it. As, as a company, Marvel has to... They really have to push... Um, their comics in the direction of, of the of the movies and and it it might be petty it might be a business decision but you know marvel has to they have to cancel fantastic four they have to start yeah. getting away from yeah. x-men they have to start pushing in humans guardians of the galaxy some of these other yeah. properties new avengers all this other stuff yeah and, and like even even as you like look through these new books that are coming out like the new captain america looks a lot like the actor that plays Falcon in the um, in the movies. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. I, I definitely don't think that's coincidental. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I you know, the Thor being a woman now, com- that's that. that's going to be hard for Chris Hemsworth, I think, to pull off. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, um, nothing's impossible. Nothing is impossible. That's right in the in the MCU. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, I I would have liked to have gotten a little bit deeper into the. Uh, the cinematic universe conversation too, uh, because yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is a, is a standalone film, and I, I'm not arguing that. I, I guess I wanted to I wanted to explore a little bit more about movies that aren't doing it right, franchises yeah, that yeah. aren't doing it right. Sure, like I, I would say that with Batman vs Superman coming out, they're not doing it right because they are just throwing. Uh, last count I heard, they have like Aquaman, uh, cyborgs in there. Yeah, like they're they're throwing as many cameos in there, so then they can expand out. So then they can expand out, yeah. Rather than it's it's almost like setting the stage for a bunch of other movies instead of like where Marvel did standalone movies for a bunch of these characters and then brought them together. Yeah. Here they're just like, let's just start with the Avengers movie, that's, get that's, a bunch of the characters established, and then we can draw those threads out into other parts of the DCU or whatever whatever they're calling that. Exactly. Um. Yeah. I. I. I'm not willing to say that Batman V bat V soups as we like to call it, <laughs> um, is, is doing it wrong or that they're, they're doing, they're not being successful in what they're doing because I haven't seen the movie and yeah, the trailers feel like they're giving too much away, but 
I I can't be sure at this yeah, point. We can't um, be sure. We we will be sure to report on that later <laughs> in the year. Um, but but I do agree with you that it feels like they are uh, strong arming it a little bit with both Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad establishing a large amount of characters all in 2016, um, and then potentially you know running that out uh, in in future films. But that's that's right. We'll you see. know, you even look at Ant Man. Even look at Ant Man with Marvel, right? Yeah, that is really that. That's a good standalone film that will eventually so. tie in, right? Sure, yeah. Um, and you have you have the one cameo. Is Ant Man in Captain America: Civil yes, War? I, he feel, is. I think he is. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's actually on on the uh, the promotional poster. Oh. Yeah, he's he's on the he's shoulder. A little tiny. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Um, but uh, anyway, guys. So moving so, on. So we move on with with Mitch, and uh, you know I don't point these directly at travis it's heavily implied but uh we 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 get into talking about creativity with mitch and so here here are those conversations um let's get a little bit just into like uh sort of your creative process and things like that and um like what what drives your creativity what what is are you are you consistently trying to come up with like new characters or things or do you really kind of focus in on the projects you're working on um what what kind of drives like your creativity well, I think you, um, for me, it's everything on the outside coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, when in this day and age, where a lot of people are always looking at their phones, yeah. uh, I rarely do that because okay. I'm not a phone person. But uh, <clears throat> but I like to take in what's going on around me, and also watch trends with kids on TV because sometimes the the studio will produce a show thinking that the kids want it for these specific reasons because they have all these rules about this is what kids want, demographics, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but you mean it missing the point that they really want this from the show. Right, yeah. It could be a personality from a character or a relationship from a character. So I watch for those things. Sure, yeah. And then I start developing things. But that's what drives my creativity huh. is uh, I don't sit down and draw all day. So, you know, unless I'm at work. But, uh, and so for you, it's more of like a like a continuous, just sort of like observing the things around you, and then when you see something, you just kind of capture that and kind of yes. make that into something. That's yeah. awesome. Was it was there a point uh, when um, when you're younger, when you're still just still getting into it, where you where you drew a lot more? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I uh, you know I started drawing when I was 18 months old. My mother has my first stick man, uh, <laughs> and then I have a I have a framed train I drew in when I was two. Uh, so I, part of it's genetic because mm-hmm. part of my mother's family are artists, you know, of some sort. So I just started doing it. And then and it wasn't until I got to like fifth grade, like I was drawing things that people were laughing at, like, huh, this may mean something. <laughs> so that's when I just took a But I drew every day. Yeah. yeah. Every day. Yeah. Um, so, <coughs> uh, kind of along those lines, um, you know, uh, we do our things. Travis is a graphic designer, school-wise. Yeah. Uh, I dabble in music and and whatever this and that. Um, but so like creativity, right? To to be creative, is it is it just something that you know you, you have it you have it there, or is it something that you continuously evolve? I guess. Like, is it is is it is a go no go? You have it or you don't, or is it uh, you might have it. And you just have to foster it. I think if you're lucky, you really have it. But I think there's various degrees of it also. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people talk about artwork. Well, he doesn't draw very well. 
Or so I've heard people say, well, the Simpsons, I don't like those the way they look. It's like, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the drawing is, a, is symbolic of what they're trying to tell you or communicate to you. The drawing is just the way that you see it. Um, so creativity can come in many forms, you know. And, uh, you know, I've seen some beautiful artwork done that was really boring. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen some really funny little drawings that were just quick sketches. Like Gary, I loved it, Farside with Gary Larson. Oh, yeah. So mm. simple, and yet it was, like, really brilliant. Those are my favorite day-to-day calendars to this day. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so with that in mind then, uh, so I, I know a lot of people who they're like, well, I, I never, I don't want to play an instrument because I, I wouldn't be very, I don't, I'm not talented in, in that way. Um, you know, what would you say to people who, who don't think they have talent and are still interested in stuff? Like, I know Travis says he can't play music whatsoever, but well, he listens to music all the time. I, fair enough. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, like Franz Liszt, that uh, classic composer, he taught piano lessons. And he had these students that played the piano very well. Mm-hmm. And they'd be playing and playing and playing, and he'd just slap their hands. Like, you're not feeling the music. Mm-hmm. You're just playing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key, is it's how you feel. If you listen to a Johnny Cash song, you can say, that's crude. He's not hitting the notes. Right. But you get this, you get that gut feeling right, from yeah. it. So to me, that's just as important as a symphony, or anything else. As long as you get an emotional lift from it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what's important. So to me, a person who plays an instrument, find a way that works for you. Don't play like somebody else. You know, if if you want to play C, G, and D all day, <laughs> do it well. Jeff yeah. Lynn did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ELO shout out. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and and so the same would then apply to uh, art, right? Yes. Like drawing, and um, so eventually my squirmy guy will will yeah. I just, as long as I feel the squirmy guy. Yeah, you just got to be really marble. You got to you got to sell the story of squirm. I think is oh, what, okay. you, what you need to do. I need the squirm a, awakens. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the movie now. I, I need somebody to write the squirm bible. So yeah, there you go. Okay, and then take credit for it <laughs> for the whole concept. <laughs> Well, are there any other um, like upcoming projects or things that you're working on? Maybe some like solo stuff that you're doing or anything that people could look out for? Or... Well, I did a graphic novel and put that out in 2010 mm-hmm. through Fanagraphics called Rip MD. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now we're in talks with people to get that financed as a CG movie. Oh, wow. Nice. That'd be awesome. So we've got our fingers crossed on hearing about yeah, that. Definitely. Cool. Cool. In the meantime, I continue on with the Netflix movies for marvel awesome um, we will look out for that stuff and and, and an important point uh i am actually in rip md you are <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here yep so uh confirmed you, guys go check it out uh, i'm hanging out with a bunch of monsters you are there right you in go. the middle of them i, I want to I ask one more question okay and this is this is just the last question i have um do, do you have any do you have any words of advice for anybody listening um, and I will actually, I'll, I'll listen to, so I guess this applies to me. You can, <laughs> words of uh, just, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, for those creatives out there, people who, who want to be creative or, um, or, or, or just even interested in, in the process, do you have any advice on, on where to go from, from here? Like, where do you, where do you start? Where do you, where do you finish? Right. I, I maybe it's a loaded question, but. Well, I think first of all, you have to believe in what you're doing. No matter what anybody else says, believe in it and do it. If you're a writer, get the words on paper. 
Don't sit there thinking about like I can't write. Get the words on paper. I was taught that by a writer, hmm. and it works. Same thing with drawing. Put the drawing on paper. Start. You mm -hmm. have to start. And as soon as you do that, it gets easier. Then if you want to sell something, where do you want to sell it? Do you want to sell it as a comic book or a movie or a TV show? You know, you have to go through that process of learning who to contact, mm -hmm. depending on what you want to do. Adult Swim. Do you want to do it on video, DVD, whatever? As you're doing your project, start finding out who these people are so you can contact them. And I think it's very important that uh, if you can, to meet with them personally, if you can. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, so then, wow, I have another question, just follow up on that. <laughs> so for like uh, those of us who are in Hawaii or, or really, you know, away from that, um, that epicenter of, of like Marvel, right? They're all uh, Burbank and stuff. Um, like how, do you have any suggestions or, or advice for people who are, uh, geographically separated like is is there any way for them to to get into a, that kind of business without being uh, centrally located well it seems like there's a lot of success now with people getting their own YouTube uh, shows on YouTube their little segments and oh, animation yeah. and stuff yeah and a lot of times the studios see those things and come after you hmm. that's really so it's really important to get on the internet and uh, if you have a little animation like one minute segments or something Get those things posted and get your yeah. name out there on the Internet. Yeah. Because I know that uh, uh, Disney came after a couple of people that they really wanted to do their uh, characters based on the Internet shows they had. Yeah. Okay. And these guys like, we're making more money doing this than if we worked for you. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a good way to do it. Now, with technology, yeah. nothing should hold you back now. Awesome. So I want to say uh, thank you uh, for, co for coming out and yeah. visiting visiting us flying all the way strictly just to do just this, this. there was this no <laughs> wow. there was no other reason and the plane's right out here in the driveway yeah <laughs> uh so uh we'll, we'll get the pilot to start up the engines but uh yeah no seriously uh, thank thank you so much for taking time out um that's Tra travis might have a word or two thank you very much for sitting down with us and sure uh being our first guest yeah uh, it was a lot of fun yeah uh you know you feel free to have the gatorade yeah. In, the, in the water you can have those i can't uh, wait um you could also s sleep in my upstairs bedroom <laughs> okay <laughs> thank you all right uh, thanks yes thanks thanks again to mitch shower for being our very first in-studio guest and really um interview guest period on apathetic enthusiasm yeah, uh, yeah thanks dadu we we it was our first interview <laughs> i think we did all right yeah uh <laughs> This is our this is our first interview that wasn't like a man on the street type thing at a comic. Yeah, just like asking people if they'd rather date a Wookiee or, or like <laughs> yeah. a, a yeah. Twi'lek. Date, uh, marry, or kill. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really cool. I, I like that the at the end talking a little bit about creativity and um, just sort of looking to the outside world for inspiration and, and and really taking any opportunity where you see something that inspires you uh, to harness that and really you know use that for your creative benefit. Um, I, I don't know. I think I try to do that a little bit with the show. Sometimes I'll see something that really sparks my interest and then that may turn into a topic or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I know you do the same. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I, I, I like the, I like the, the thought and, I, and I've heard the thought many time of many time, 
many, many singular times, time, many times uh, of just putting the pen to paper, whatever, yeah. whatever it is that you're doing, just, just write it down, do, do something with it. Uh, because keeping it in your head does, does nobody any good. Right. And I, I think that's almost realistically how this podcast started is we didn't, we didn't know exactly what we were doing or, or how to, how to, how to execute everything. But we're like, you know what, let's sit down, let's record one. Let's just record one, see how it goes. And then 47 episodes later here we are <laughs> yeah <laughs> and in 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 the process of, of this podcast over over the past year um and continuing into the future we've found we've we've learned skills that sure. we didn't have before right definitely um yeah. you know we talk about putting pen to paper you do the graphics for the, the show every week True. right and yeah. this is some, this is getting you experience it's, it's in flexing that graphic right graphic exactly. muscle a little bit more same thing with like the walking dead fantasy league stuff video editing yeah uh me d- me editing this show with quotes every every <laughs> week right even doing uh that the show a couple weeks ago with the, the trivia and and the the soundboard yeah. even this episode yeah we, we did- were editing as we go throughout this episode <laughs> um, um yeah but and, and i really think just finding like you talked about um maybe not being great at one thing but um, really working at it. And, and, and Mitch said, you know, really fostering creativity and finding something that you're passionate about and maybe you're not great at it, but really feel it and, and, and tell your version of that story. So maybe you don't think you draw really well, or you can't play an instrument really well. Um, do it in the style that you like really key in on and get good at how you do whatever that thing is. And then someone is going to appreciate it. Hopefully. Uh, Otherwise, (laughs) pick a new skill. Uh, (laughs) But um, once again, really great conversation. Um, It was cool having him here. And I really appreciate him taking the time to to chat with us. So um, now it's now it's your turn. If you if you guys uh, enjoyed the the interview, um, please let us know what you think. Let us know uh, what your thoughts are on the Angry Beavers and and the marvel cinematic universe and and animation (laughs) and all these other things um and and we would enjoy having that conversation with you on social media uh you can contact us at facebook.com slash apathetic enthusiasm show twitter is at apathusiast and uh instagram apathetic underscore enthusiasm uh we also and and i don't want to end the episode without talking about this but we got our first official fan letter uh at apathetic enthusiasm show at gmail.com uh, so shout out to Jeremy, Jeremy L, we'll, we'll say, uh, who emailed us <laughs> this week uh, with a comment about The Force Awakens. Uh, if you have not listened to our Force Awakens review uh, episode, please go back and do so. Um, if you've seen only the movie. if you've seen the movie, because it's full of spoilers. Uh, but his, 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 his question that he has for us uh, is in regards to uh, Greg Grunberg's character in The Force Awakens. And he plays a uh, a rebel pilot, a resistance pilot, yeah. I guess, in this movie. Um, and and he's a bigger dude, right? Uh, in in this movie, he's not he's not svelte, I guess. Uh, and so uh, he mentioned to uh, his let me let me just read what he says uh, that he had just listened to the Force Awakens review and wanted to tell us that his favorite Easter egg uh, was it looks that Greg Greg Grunberg's resistance pilot character is a throwback to the notorious fat rebel fighter Jack Porkins from A New Hope. Uh, mentioned to his friends and they agree and uh, hadn't really heard anybody else talk about it. Um, he appreciates JJ Abrams showing that resistance is an all-inclusive organization and also mentions that Grunberg is a friend of JJ Abrams. So it's hard to tell if this is unintentional or if it is a joke, uh, what do we think about it? Um, so what do, what do you think? 
So, so I, I, I respond, I responded back. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like that, that was my, that was my first thought when I saw Greg Grunberg in, in the X-Wing, uh, ship was like, was this, is this Porkins 2.0? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He, I mean, he does have that look a little bit. Um, for me, I immediately, uh, thought about, uh, I, I thought, oh, there he is. Because oh. as, as a fan <laughs> of JJ Abrams work, and, and knowing just a little about the history of those two guys, uh, they were friends, I think, back in college. And then as J.J. Abrams started producing television and mm-hmm. films, yeah. it was it was almost like a like a thing with the two of them to just always put Greg Grunberg yeah. in, in the in the material in a way, shape or form. So Lost, you know, very, very big fan of Lost myself. Uh, and he is the the pilot of the plane, which in which the it, first episode, which is interesting that. Uh, so he survives in Force Awakens. Sure. Right? Yeah. I think. Yeah, uh, and, I think and, so. and he's a pilot. Mm-hmm. And he was in Lost, and he was a pilot, and he dies. And there's a smoke monster. So. In both. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> oh. Uh, um, but, but yeah. Uh, but it's like, you know, is that is that uh, recompense? Is that the word for it? I, I don't know. Um, but there is there is a, if you go out to IMDb pages and, and review them, uh, I think Greg Grunberg shows up in every J.J. Abrams project in, <laughs> in a way, shape, or form. So it's good to see him in there. Um, I do think that that was probably the I think it's inspiration a, or the reason he's in the movie. Yeah. But I think they decided, hey, let's make him sort of this, in, in casting him or deciding what role that he would fill, right. let's make him this Porkins 2.0. So. Uh, and, and if you go... Unfortunately, he is not actually related to Jack Porkins. Uh, if you go out to you know Wikipedia or yeah. any any Star Wars uh, apedia, uh, he's actually a character, a new character, Snap Wexley. Yeah, um, and he has a whole history behind him. And I actually have his trading card now, the top Star Wars trading <laughs> card. So, um, but thank you, Jeremy, for for your letter and, and for writing in. And if anybody else wants to talk about anything that. Uh, we discuss on these episodes. We will try to read your letter on the air. So hit us up at apathetic enthusiasm Anything else, Brandon? Uh, just make sure you go out to uh, iTunes and give us a five star rating. Yes. Uh, give Mitch a five star rating. Yeah. Hook him up. But yeah. He's uh, a champ. <laughs> it really helps uh, <laughs> others find the episodes and, and uh, move us up in the ratings on iTunes. So we would appreciate if you do that. And then next week, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled rants and reviews about. Uh, TV and pop culture and things like that. Uh, Until next week, you're Brandon. I'm, and you're Travis. (laughs) And we'll talk to you next time. Threw me off there. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.